busy, you know, this is the time, okay? Because now you're ovulating. Mm-hmm. So you use all of that energy, however you're going to use that, in what creative form, because you are the creatrix, right? You are the weaver of your own reality. Hello, and welcome to the Nutri Mama podcast. Today's episode features the wonderful Julia Anastasiu, who will talk to us all things full moon, female divinity, and how to honor your cycle every month. This is a really interesting talk, and I hope you'll enjoy it in honor of the full moon tonight. Cloud. So, hi, Julia. It's so nice to have you with us today, or with me, rather. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. I'm so excited to have you as one of my experts and slightly different to the other experts I've interviewed because you're not a classical scientist or a sort of one trick pony specialist in one thing. So I'm really, really, really um, looking forward to having you share some of your wisdom with us. Um, So I'll start off by letting you introduce yourself. Uh, Tell us all about who you are, what you do and sort of how you got there. Oh, beautiful. Thanks, Federica. It's such an honor and a pleasure to be with you today. So my name is Julia Anastasiu, and my life as I know it today has changed and morphed over many decades. Um, I began my healing path in New York when I was living out in the States in 1994. And I entered um, into the realm um, as a reflexologist. Which and- you're amazing at, by the way. So it's in touch. But both of my girls were speedily delivered thanks to your reflexology. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, so that was like my gateway in. It was very practical. It was very grounding. And, and I dabbled a little bit with homeopathy. I did a diploma in homeopathy. And at that point, I actually met my husband. So I'm 53, and I've been married for nearly 25 years. I have a day over 25. (laughs) I can't believe it. (laughs) Um, I have two boys. Um, Alexander is 22, and Max is 20. And they're both finishing up university at the moment. So when I came back to the UK, which actually wasn't my plan, I was going to stay in the States. But when I came back to the UK, I realized that the life that I'd had before, because I used to be a nanny, I used to be a governess, and I used to be a maternity nurse. I realized that that wasn't going to be my life back in the UK, that I would definitely had the hands of a healer. And I'd known this for many decades. So I think I was around about eight when my nana um, you know, she was saying to me, oh, Julia, you've definitely got the healing touch. So in in those days, which was kind of like the late 90s, there wasn't that much holistic health around. So being a reflexologist, working with Indian head massage, incorporating Ayurveda. Ayurveda is the sister science of yoga. It means the wisdom of life. So that was very unusual. Mm. I was really fortunate that, you know, my husband was super supportive. Uh, I was able to to train on weekends, to train in the evenings, and while he would take care of the boys for me. Good so, man. <laughs> absolutely. He was well-trained. He was well-trained. <laughs> so, I sort of built my repertoire. And then when the boys both went to school, um, so Alexandra was about six, Max was in pre-prep, three, I started my business 
I had my massage table in the back of the car and I would drive around and I would do home visits. And then as they became more established in the school life and I kind of knew, you know, what the terms were, I set up practice at home and started to work on the King's Road with Neil's Yard, holistic organic um, products and in Blackheath as well. And over the years, it has grown from reflexology, Indian head massage and Reiki into something quite magnificent. Um, There was a pivotal point in my career where I recognized that I needed to plug into source. And I had the opportunity to study with Deepak Chopra. This was in 2008. And there were a few moments in our life where we recognized that that was the catalyst, the change. That changed my life. Wow. That changed my life. Um, It was a seven-day intensive training course to learn to meditate. It's his signature offering. It's called Seduction of Spirit. There were 500 people from 38 different countries, and we learned to meditate. We meditated from dawn till dusk. Now, when I left Dublin, I was not the same person. Seven days changed my life. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of like set my trajectory onto the spiritual healing path. I then joined the primordial sound meditation training. I trained as a yoga teacher Mm -hmm. and deepened my knowledge within Ayurveda. So I had a big challenge, you know, I... I was never a dancer. I was never a gymnast. I didn't consider myself to be flexible. I've always been curvaceous. I've always had a bust. And I I be a yoga teacher because back in those days, it felt like people like me didn't exist. They certainly weren't teaching. Um, So that then actually became a little bit of a signature for myself. People came and wanted to study and to be with me because what they saw was somebody that they could totally... um, Relate to, right? They could relate to you, yeah. Absolutely. So once I harnessed that power, which initially I was shying away from, um, it really allowed me to step into into my light. Mm -hmm. And then I started to teach yoga as a training. Um, I found my teacher out in India. I studied with him for many years. I I teach in the ashram on an annual basis in Rishikesh, which is in the foothills of the Himalayas. And and we're doing that online now because of COVID and what have you. But for eight years, I've had like my own yoga teacher trainings here in the UK. And as I have matured, um moving from like the maiden to the mother into the phase now of perimenopause so uh within the cycle we would consider this to be like the maga the the magician the enchantress the sorceress now harnessing this power of where i am and sharing this wisdom within my circles red tent wild woman wisdom So it's an ever-increasing circle, and I feel so blessed to have really found my purpose in life. Yeah, I mean, my dharma. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's amazing because what I've uh, I've known you now, Julia, for at least four years, right? Mm -hmm. But you've known my husband Paul for 
I don't know how many years, 20? Um, I I've, actually have known Paul since about, I think, 2007 we met. Wow. So, yeah, I can't do the math now. Lots of years. <laughs> and, yeah, so 15 years, say. And I just think it's a, it's been wonderful for me to see you grow. Actually, thanks to COVID, I think it took you out of your comfort zone. And now you're able to reach so many people globally whereby beforehand we were keeping you to ourselves here in London. And I think it's it's a really nice story of how you've managed to reach a different audience by using technology for something that's typically thought of as something you can only really achieve with a one-on-one or with a person in the same room. But what you've been able to deliver with your platform is really bettering lives through your li- your Instagram lives and through your um, courses that you can sign up to on your website. I mean, I know that one of your um, Yoga Nidra recordings, honestly, mm-hmm. is which I listen to and I, I, it just changes my day. So I, and uh, you never would have thought that, that technology could do that in the same way that a personal encounter does. But it is really good. And you're very, very, I think you're wonderful at what you do. Um, and what I really want to understand from you is because you have this wisdom and because for me what sets you out from other yoga teachers or from other people that I've come across who are in a similar field of specialty is that you really live what you preach Mm -hmm. and I find that that's harder to do than people make out right so um, you know I've, I've done lots of yoga classes myself and I I have met lots of teachers who are yoga teachers or people who uh, practice spiritual healing. But then when you when you meet them outside of the context of a class, they are not very uh, zen <laughs> or they're a completely different person. So for them, teaching the yoga or doing the healing is just their sort of job. But for you, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but for you, I feel like your entire life and your entire being is who you are. Like, so you do everything from a place of who you actually are as opposed to treating it as a job would that be right yeah absolutely oh thank you love yeah. when when we heal when we lay hands on when we're actually in somebody's space as a channel we need to be clear so first of all we need to be present we need to be in the moment and focused on that person giving them like our undivided attention mm-hmm. Um, and then from that point, we can become the channel. Okay, so I speak a lot about the divine. So allowing the divine source, universe, energy, whatever it is you wish to call to channel through you. So when I started um, practicing yoga and meditation, I felt I truly felt the connection. I felt rooted to Mother Earth. I kind of knew who I was, who was showing up on the mat. And I also felt, felt the polarity of that where mm. I connected to the divine so the more I practiced so remembering it's a practice yoga is a journey meditation is a journey it's not something that you do for an hour and a half a week and boom you know you've reached enlightenment Mm. something that you show up for day after day after day so I feel I can't share anything with you unless I've experienced it myself so first well, I have to embody the practice, which means I have to go through my own transformation. I have to shed my own skin. I have to go into my shadow, address my wounds, honor my lineage, my ancestors, and then I can show up. So, you know, it, it, it's not like I've had some kind of like massive awakening. It has been drip by drip, beam by 
mean the bag gets full. And then my teacher, um, Yogrishi Vishvaketu, it must have been around about 2000 and I'm going to say about 2013. My spiritual name is Yogsandari. That's right. Union of Divine Beauty. So ah. he, that's what it means. He said, Yogsandari or Yogsandari. Um, he said, you're ready. And I said, ready for what? He goes, ready for your next step. And at that point, I became, I guess, what we would call an apprentice. Right. I, I sat at his side and absorbed the teachings with him. So then it means that when somebody really acknowledges your light, your brightness, your inner beauty, I, you know, I, I knew then what my role was. I was an illuminary. It was my purpose to to be the teacher, to hold the torch, to be the beacon. Now, this can be a lonely path. Mm. So then it's how do you connect with that each day? So what happened was last March, actually, I was in India and I was teaching classical kundalini at the ashram. And there was a moment where we knew you're either here in the ashram or you can go home. We didn't know how long we would be. Wow. So I was supposed to be there for, for three weeks with my students and then with the ashram students. And I actually ended up being there for nearly nine weeks <laughs> wow. in the ashram, locked in, locked down, lots of rice and dal. Um, I yeah. bet you lost some weight then. <laughs> <laughs> Crikey. Like, it was fabulous. Yeah. My day started at 4.30 um, because I was teaching at 5.15 every morning it was an opportunity for me to really dive into my practice. I didn't know what it was preparing me for, but okay. I joked and I said, you know, I feel like we're on the ark, on the spiritual ark, and the people who were remaining were like the chosen few. So when I came back to the UK, you know, I, I looked at like my teachers, I looked at my students, and they were all on Zoom. Mm -hmm. I've been afraid of this. So being on the camera, seeing yeah. myself, this hasn't been something that I've embraced ever. Mm -hmm. I thought I have to step up. This is your test, Julia. Now is the time. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> Who, if not now, when, yeah. just do it. So there were a few, you know, <laughs> technical issues to <laughs> But what I did was I started off with something which was called 21 Days of Inspiration. And it was, so day one was going to be half an hour of meditation. I got back on the Thursday. This started on the Monday. Boom, we're straight in, you know. And I'm sitting on my mat and I thought, what would make this so much better is if we'd have just moved our bodies. Yeah. So I said to them at the end of the practice, I said, okay, so as of tomorrow, I'm going to be tuning in at 7.30. You can join me on the same link. We'll move our bodies for half an hour and then we'll do our, our meditation. Well, that was it. That set the tone for what's been nearly a year now. Wow, isn't that amazing? Yeah. For 12 months, I have taught every single morning um, half an hour of yoga, half an hour of meditation. Then we have like a little break for breakfast. And then I teach face yoga. Yeah. Um, and that's been going really well for you, hasn't it? That has done so well because yeah. people have, 
Well, okay, so, so there are some people who don't really like looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Some people who were so isolated, who were shielding, they they haven't been touched for a year. So I didn't really know the impact of what something, which some people might call like quite superficial face yoga, how healing it has been to so many spirits. Yeah. Just that physical touch. So yes, COVID, pandemic, lockdown has been an opportunity for me to really encapsulate my energy and to expand. Amazing. Yeah, you know? Yeah, and listen, you look amazing on camera. I don't know why you would ever not want to do this. I mean, if it was up to me, I'd be having you on TV. Um, So what I really want to get into now is I want to find out more from you and your experience because I know that you treat obviously a lot of women and you have specialized in helping women with their entire womanly journey, if you will. So from trying to conceive women who may have uh, hormonal issues or fertility problems through to pregnant ladies like myself. Uh, And then, uh, you know, all the way through to perimenopause and menopause. And then in older age, when women really come into their own and are no longer uh, subject to the same hormonal fluctuations. So have it, it must be like a a completely different experience. I can only imagine what it must be like not to be under the influence of estrogen. Um, So when you're sort of working with somebody and if you're looking to help them, first of all, I think, I don't think it's all about conception actually. I think it's first of all, just be more in touch with their own cycle and become aware of, you know, their, their womb is maybe the wrong term, but just become aware of the cycle and what their bodies are doing. And when you, I think, I think when we're kids, we're all taught about how to not get pregnant. And if you take a pill, then you can skip your period and woohoo. And that's what we're all trying to do for quite a long time, you know, especially as young women. So what happens when someone like you, from your point of view, if you're trying to help somebody who, for instance, like me, I was on the pill for 10 years and then I suddenly thought, God, I don't want to be on the pill anymore. What am I doing? Who am I? (laughs) Um, How do you, what would you say to somebody like that? Like, you know, what have you learned about our cycle and about the power that, that we hold as life creators, which is often forgotten about I think in in popular culture and in in this sort of mainstream um you know what are the the key messages I think that you'd like to put out there (laughs) okay so first of all what I'd like to begin with is we are unfortunately so disconnected from nature Mm. and this happened before our grandmothers were born this happened around the time of electricity So when we stopped honoring the rhythm and the cycle of life, when we stopped going to bed when it was dark Mm -hmm. and we woke up when the dawn cracked, yes? So that's when the problems really began, especially for women. When we forgot who we were, that we are actually an expression of the divine, that what's going on in our body as a cycle is also going on out there. So when we start to track the moon, for example, and how that can reflect, how we can really use the power of the moon to uplift our spirits. So when somebody comes to me and they feel disconnected, Mm -hmm. the first thing that I really want them to do 
is to remember, yeah, to pull themselves back together to who they are. What is the natural essence? In Ayurveda, we would we would consider that your prakruti, your essential nature. We would work with that. And then just find out what your rhythm is. So every, everybody that I treat, I treat in a unique, bespoke sort of way because everybody's needs are different. Mm-hmm. So depending on whether that's going to be through Ayurveda, whether that's going to be through reflexology, through shamanic healing, through drumming and journeying. So for me, it's kind of like, what's your rhythm? What's your cycle? You know, how long have you been trying to conceive? Do you know when you ovulate? Because as you said, a lot of women, for the majority of their adult life, they've actually been trying not to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they hear the clock and they're like, oh my gosh, I've got to get on it straight away. Well, first of all, the body's got to recalibrate, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. So I feel that I am part of that process helping the body to recalibrate through healing. And I like my medicine bag, my metaphorical medicine bag is full of so many tools and techniques. Yeah. So I can just pull them out. And I think it's also about being in conversation with somebody who's been through it as well, who really understands what it's like. And I've treated hundreds of women. You know, I hold circles. We sit in red tent together we're expected to always be on the go and to never allow our bodies to rest, to restore, to recuperate. That's the first thing I want a woman to do is to, when you're bleeding, lie down, have a bath, rest on the sofa, spend some time in nature, draw, journal, read, you know, watch Netflix, whatever it is that's going to kind of like restore you. First of all, address your sleep your diet, who you're spending time with, who you're not spending time with, yeah? Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, we're looking about conception. It's kind of like being in the same place at the right time as well. So this might all sound like so simple, but unfortunately, life pulls us in different directions. So I like to be able to just shine a little bit of gentle light on the path. Mm. And it's interesting because actually when you do start trying to conceive, you suddenly realize there's only a really a 24-hour window to get pregnant in. That's the egg gets released and it's only alive and kicking and ready for fertilization for 24 hours. So the miracle of life is really a miracle. (laughs) I think the odds are, I don't remember off the top of my head now, but it's much harder to have a successful pregnancy than it is to not. (laughs) So um it's interesting. And I think a lot of my own experience and experience of those I know is that relaxing, resting, giving your body time to do what it needs to do is so important. And it's, and we're not really allowing ourselves that you're right. I think maybe COVID has given us some space to do that because we're not commuting into work as much because we have some more time at home um, just to actually slow down a little bit. And, and I think that there's a piece, what you just said there about when you have your period, when you're bleeding, rest. I was never taught that growing up. It was never something that was told to me. I mean, when you think about it logically, you're literally losing blood <laughs> and we carry on as if nothing was happening. And, and actually that's, that's a bit weird when you, you know, if let's just make a silly comparison, but if a man was bleeding out of his 
leg you wouldn't be like come on let's go you know it's really that's what's happening and um and I think for me what I've learned from you Julia is honoring the moon cycle has been really transformative for me and you know as you know and people who know me know I'm a hardcore scientist I'm very pragmatic I am very much um a practical person so if things don't have an impact on my life I don't tend to do them but something as simple as keeping a, a full moon ritual just doing some just really remembering taking time to to take stock with the moon cycle and at the moment um, I'm postpartum I don't have my cycle back yet but it still helps me and my energy seems to change with the moon and it's uh it's interesting because it's one of the things I've learned from you and I, I think it'd be I think it'd be useful for, for a lot of people to know, you know, wh- what is it about the full moon that can be healing and can be helpful to plan ahead for the next cycle? Like what, what are your main, I know you've got some wonderful worksheets on this actually, and some wonderful things that you've done, but what are your main tips for making the most of each moon cycle for somebody who, you know, it's maybe a bit like me, a bit skeptical originally, but then actually finds useful things in it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so first of all, when we think about the moon and the moon cycle, it's like it's a 28, 29 day thing, right? So we start at the dark moon. Mm-hmm. So um, when we were t- more tribal, for example, women would be bleeding at approximately the same time, okay? So if we were to consider that the bleed takes place in the dark moon at the new moon. Okay. This is the beginning of the cycle. This is day one. Yeah. This is where you're bleeding. This is the time that you rest. Okay. So if you were to get your diary out and to start to chart when you bleed, so this is the time that you should be resting. This is not the time that you make your big presentation to the board. No, no. This is the time that you're resting, that you're taking care of yourself, that you're eating like nutritious foods, that you're drinking enough. This is the time that you plant the seeds. Okay. So this is the time of intention. This is the time that you become very clear. This is your dream time, your vision time, time to go within, to reflect. Then as the, as the moon starts to become a little bit brighter, okay, so now you've stopped bleeding, okay. you've come out of that phase, now's the time where your energy starts to change and you're like, okay, so yes, yeah, so I've released, I've let that go, okay, how wonderful to be a woman, to be able to do that every month is so key mm. for emotional well-being and our physical and mental So we release, we let that go. Now the moon's getting brighter. Your energy is rising. So now those seeds, those intentions that you planted a week ago, you're like, okay, how can I implement this? This then turns into the planning phase. So now you've got your big board meeting taking place next week. Now you get everything done, everything organized, okay? And then as the full moon comes, now you are big, bright, bold, you're out there, you're presenting, you are in your expansion, you're so big, 
Your energy is massive now. So now's the time that you go out, you socialize, you party, you get a little bit sexy, you know? This is the time, okay? Because now you're ovulating. Mm -hmm. So you use all of that energy, however you're going to use that, in what creative form, because you are the creatrix, right? You are the weaver of your own reality, and you can create whatever you desire. If you can dream it, if you can think it, you can create it. So now you're big, you're bright, you're bold, okay? But within the moon, uh, now's the time that we would re like really take that opportunity to release, okay? okay? To release, to let go. So if you were going to do a new uh, full moon ritual, this would be about letting go, letting go into a fire, for example. And then as that, so that could be seen as like, say, the summer phase, as that starts to wane, so the moon's now going to be getting a little bit smaller, it's time to harvest. What are you going to hold on to from this, from this cycle? What seeds are you going to start to gather? And what are you going to totally let go? So now it's kind of like, okay, so my biggest, brightest moments are over. Now I'm kind of like I'm heading back towards the dark moon. So then at that point, it's kind of like, what wisdom can I take from the moon into my cave, into my red tent? And um, what can I store? What am I really ready to let go of? And then you come back now then into the area of the dark moon where you really release, you go within. So you, so each each month we have that opportunity to to connect to the cycle. So it's, it's also important for us to remember, right? I'm speaking about bleeding and ovulation, but say, for example, you don't bleed anymore because maybe you're breastfeeding, maybe you're pregnant, maybe you have had a hysterectomy, maybe you're menopausal, perimenopausal. It doesn't matter. As I said earlier on, we're a reflection of the universe. We're a reflection of the moon. So just because you don't have a womb or you have a womb space now, um, or you're no longer bleeding, harness the power of the moon so you use that external influence to um influence your internal life interesting that's really and i think you know the idea of releasing and using fire and using for me it's been really helpful to actually have tangible practices so i've got i did my vision board at the beginning of the year and I have, uh, you know, I like to journal when I can. And that's really hard. Journaling on a regular basis is difficult with just children in the house and being in the house all the time. Um, but there's certain tangible things. I really like crystals. They really, I love holding them when I'm, when I have to really write, you know, create a document or write a proposal or something. I find it really helpful to, to hold crystals in my palm that I feel like that gives me focus and it gives me the energy that I need for that particular task mm -hmm. and I think I guess it's different for everybody mm -hmm. um but in terms of trying to get to that to that place where and I think this applies for pregnancy as well as trying to conceive but having what would you recommend as having like a, if you if you had to recommend one fixed practice or one one thing that is sure to make a difference to our lives as as women um especially nowadays with technology and busy lives and home lives and all a bit crazy let's be honest what if there was one thing that you would recommend everybody try and do every day or at least try it as many days as possible what would that be what would be your number one thing 
my number one thing would be to dedicate a minimum mm -hmm, of 10 minutes sitting in silence would be a meditation practice. Minimum of 10 minutes when the house is quiet before the children wake up, you know, before you go off to work, to be in the present moment, because this is where the power lies. The power lies in the present moment. So connecting to the breath. 10 minutes of following the path of the inhale and the exhale. Why? Because the, bra the breath does not linger in the past. It's not thinking, oh, that was a great breath last week. It's not projecting into the future thing. I can't wait for my breath next Thursday. The breath keeps us present. When we're in the present moment, we hold the power in our hands. We're so distracted. We're so pulled doing things for different people, things, our own obligations, our own chores. Just 10 minutes. If you could do that twice a day, 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening, they're going to be like the pillars of your day, the bookends of the day. And if you can just increase those like a little bit more, 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the afternoon, you're worthy of half an hour of stillness and silence. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. and, the, and there's no particular meditation practice. It's literally just even just a breathing meditation. So, yeah. I mean, there are so many different techniques, so many different things that I could share but just to just to sit and to and to follow the breath would be enough. You could inhale love, exhale peace, silent mm -hmm. to yourself, just like a wave coming in and out of the shoreline. Amazing. Uh, and that would be, you know, it's it's actually so many people say that a meditation practice is the single most impactful thing you can do for your life, for your mental health, for your well-being, lower lower cortisol levels. I mean, it the host of benefits scientifically is also mind blowing actually. So, um, so that's, that's, it's good to hear, hear it from coming from you, someone who does do it every day. <laughs> and, um, and I, as I said, I think I, for me, as a personal experience, and I wonder if this is for, same for you for your experience with the woman you've helped, I think actually the meditation practice, which I started for trying to conceive both of my girls and I did it throughout my pregnancies, both pregnancies. I really feel that it helped. I especially, um, I, as you know, Judy, I suffered a miscarriage before falling pregnant with Sophia. And I remember when I started after the miscarriage, I really started doing my meditation practice again. And I almost feel like the visualization practices that I did around then really helped me get pregnant. And that sounds sounds strange to I think it did. And I think it did with Isabella as well. With Isabella, when I was trying to get pregnant with Isabella, I really um, focused on it and started doing meditation practice around that and really tried to manifest it in a way. And it was when I got more serious about it that I actually fell pregnant with her too. And I'm not, I'm, I know I'm not, I know there's people that have real trouble conceiving and I'm not saying it's foolproof, but do you, in your experience, can that really have a positive impact on the likelihood of conceiving? Is that something that you've seen with your, uh, with your clients? Absolutely. 
And um, yes, absolutely. So, so some of the science behind that is we know that a regular practice of meditation, a daily practice of meditation, of stillness and silence, it does affect the hormones and the chemistry within the body. So, you know, it's going to help to lower cortisol adrenaline production. It's going to shift us into that space of rest and digest where we're producing more happy hormones. Our digestion is going to be more effective. It will help us to regulate our cycle as well over time. Um, also, what you're doing is you're honoring yourself. You're allowing yourself some time to um, find that stillness and silence within you. Mm -hmm. You're saying, I'm ready and I'm worthy. And if you think about it, we're all energy, aren't we? So when you say, yes, I'm ready, I'm going to show up for myself every day, let's say for 21 days, for 40 days, I'm going to sit, I'm going to follow my breath, I'm going to do a, a mantra, um, I'm going to hold a mudra, um, and I'm going to honor this then what will happen is your body then starts to function in a very different way. So I've had great success with meditation, great success with visualization, because what we think we create, what we think we become. So planting those seeds of intention, there's a Sanskrit word which is sankalpa, which means well thought out action. So what we focus on in life, it will grow stronger. So yeah. we, we keep on throwing that thread out into the universe. And energetically, the universe is going to like deliver it and bring it to us. Mm -hmm. That's really, it's, it's amazing to hear you, to hear this from you, because of course, I've learned so much of it from you. But it's, I think it's so helpful to remember also that it is about a practice. It's about doing this every day and you can't just rush things you can't just expect the magic pill problem here right so I think uh one of the things that I feel passionately about is actually beginning to speak to women and young women in a way that tells them you know actually if you start caring for yourself before you want to have children before you want to become a mother if you start looking after yourself as a first teaching then you'll be able to do whatever you like with yourself. Um, whether you want to have children or you don't want to have children, that doesn't really matter. But we're not teaching girls from the age when they enter men um, puberty. We're not teaching them, okay, you need to really look after yourself. You need to make sure that you're eating enough iron-rich foods because you'll be bleeding every month and actually that does deplete you over time. And you need to prioritize yourself before anything else Otherwise, you won't be able to give anything to anyone else. If we talk um, women that, young women that from an early age, it would be so much easier. So many things would be easier later on in life. Um, so this idea of like really setting the intention and then working on it every day and holding that space every day for at least 21 days, right? <laughs> like ideally for more than that. Uh, I know that from a nutrition standpoint, you really need at least three months before you try to conceive to get everything to a better place if you don't have any deficiencies, right? So it's longer than, than that if not, if you do. Um, 
And I think it would just be a, such a good education to give to our daughters. So giving them that power of knowledge of knowing that they need to look after themselves all the time and it's they should prioritize it. Because so this brings me on to the next question I wanted to, to ask you about the next phase of life. So there are, you know, as you may know, perimenopause and early menopause are on the increase. And women are finding that the their reproductive age is actually getting younger. So let me rephrase that. Women are actually finding that um their ability to become pregnant is lessening at a younger age and there's women in their early 30s who will won't be able to conceive as easy as they maybe had thought they would uh, and it isn't on the increase it's a problem that's on the increase so my next question for you is if you are some a woman who is in that space who um, is entering a period in their lives where their hormones are changing again and they will they are soon to be perimenopausal menopausal what is what's your understanding and what's your advice for that phase of life which is coming at an earlier age now for a lot of for a lot of women so how how do we first of all how do we look ahead and understand that that's coming for all of us and how do we embrace it how do we prepare for it in a way that's loving to other women but loving to ourselves as well okay yeah um wow like main considerations main considerations yeah <laughs> Um, but, but first of all, if I may, I'd just like to touch on um, on the media. So when I st- when I started training in womb yoga, um, there was an advert on the television, and there are still very similar adverts now. And it was basically showing like women skydiving when they were bleeding and things like that. And and it was Christmas time. My mum was here, and my boys were in the room. And it was an advert for like some sort of like sanitary product. And I said, I said, menstrual blood isn't blue. It's red, like the rest of the blood in our body. I'm like, why are they showing women jumping out of an airplane when they're bleeding? And my mum was like, Julia, why are you talking about this in front of the boys? I'm like, because they need to know. My husband has this whole thing with me and my yoni, my womb space, right? Like society is basically saying to the girls, it doesn't matter what's going on in your cycle. You can continue to do it. You can continue to run the marathon. You can continue to go horse riding. You can continue to do whatever you do. You know, it doesn't matter. So so they're starting off from that place of disconnect. They don't know what to do, do they? So you're right. Yes, women are, girls are going into their menarche. So they're starting their first bleed at an earlier stage and their fertility is dropping off. Like I conceived with Alexander at the age of 30 and 32 with Max. I'm still bleeding and I'm 53 and a half. I know I'm perimenopausal because there have been a few changes that have happened in, in my body. The first thing, well, the main thing is I used to have very, very curly hair. Mm-hmm. A year ago, I lost my curls. <laughs> it, well, it, was, it wasn't quite overnight, but it was sort of like over three months. So now I don't have curly hair. Um, so what I would suggest is to like to say somebody who's in their 30s, in their 40s now, I feel, okay, because this is how I've led my life, the best thing you can do is to take care of yourself. And that does mean yoga. It does mean medita- meditation. It is a practice of nutrition and the food that you're eating. 
It's spending time in nature, honoring yourself as a woman, saying no, taking time, go and have a bath, close the door. Obviously, the children are safe, yes. Um, But, you know, having somebody else help you, if you can delegate, delegate, take time for yourself, that's so important because we're constantly having to renew and to rejuvenate and to regenerate the cells, right? So I feel that, you know, I'll be 54 in October. So the fact that I'm still cycling, I think it's because what I've done over the last 15 years as my spiritual practice has led me to this point. So if you are like, if you're already perimenopausal or menopausal, it's never too late. It's never too late to start taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Spend some time in reflection, in nature, connecting to what makes you happy, what lights you up. You know, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Out of your human experience, what is it that makes you come alive? That's what's going to give you your energy and to propel you through these channel um, challenging times. Now, I haven't experienced any hot flushes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't experienced any excess dryness. But I think that's because some of my key words are balance, harmony, equilibrium, wholeness. So when I look at something, I try to look at it from a balanced point of view. Yes, I drink coffee. Yes, I like to have a glass of red wine. Um Yes, I try to walk 10,000 steps a day. So it's kind of like it's about finding that balance, what we need, what we want, what's going to light us up and connecting with that, connecting to that creative side of ourselves. So I feel that like a a lot of that part of uh, that side of of us as women was sort of like pushed to the back burner. Mm. But Actually, we're the, we're the creatrix. This is part of us. This is part of our innate ability to create, whether that is to have a baby, a family or not. It's part of our DNA. So I feel denying it is actually denying part of our feminine health. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, you know, I, I've I've become aware of the fact that now, women who are menopausal they're sort of like why don't we talk about the menopause it's this sort of like taboo subject that nobody talks about and um you know it's I think uh, I think it's my mother-in-law who I love dearly she she calls it the change and it's almost like something that we can't speak of and I wonder what happens and and now I feel like it's becoming part of the conversation more and women are more open about it and some women do get terrible hot flushes for months or sometimes years and the the symptoms can be really um difficult but I almost feel like part of that difficulty comes from isolation if you feel like you have to struggle through something in silence without any compassion then it becomes a much bigger burden to bear for sure and as women we're often told to you know we're not told to necessarily but it's almost like for example period pains so it's just period pains like have you had period pains they can be horrendous (laughs) so we again it's what you've been saying it's like we have to honor our bodies and listen to them if it's really painful for us having a period then we should go to bed with a hot water bottle and ride it out and that will instantly make it more bearable because if you're trying to fight against yourself that's a very tough fight to win isn't it um 
so I think you know and I think what you've said about the fact that you're where you are in your life now and how you've got there the fact that you're honest about the fact that actually you think you're in a good place where you are because of all the work you've put in for 15 years and you own that you don't try and make excuses for it like oh I'm genetically lucky it's like well actually you've worked really hard and you've made it your your life to make sure that you yourself are in balance and you yourself are looking after yourself in premise the first thing that you do is like after yourself um and I think yeah I think that's that's so inspiring and I hope that anybody listening to this just can hear you and hear your wisdom and know that that it's worth doing and that it is something that shouldn't be you know it shouldn't be an added bonus to our daily lives if we're not looking after ourselves how are we supposed to look after anyone else and how are we expected to get to you know older age healthily I just think thank, thank you thank you for sharing these uh tidbits and I know that it's only a fraction of what you know <laughs> but it's can I just share as well that um, I feel like over this over this year that we've 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 had um, within lockdown, I've had to face some of my shadow, right? Mm-hmm. So when we face our shadow, we're actually digging into a deeper medicine, spiritual medicine. And what I've had to face is grief, grief over my fertility, mm-hmm. and not being not being the fertile goddess anymore. And how society, okay, it's changing now, but how society in the past hasn't actually seen the power of a woman who's 45 plus, Mm. who's kind of like gone beyond those mothering years. And that was, that was a bit dark to sort of like face the fact that I'm actually going through a rite of passage. So we go through a rite of passage when we first start to bleed, a rite of passage when we become a mother, a rite of passage as we go from like those mothering gears into the menopause. So I've spent a lot of time in my cave, um, digging deep, soul searching. How do I want to give birth to myself again? So while the boys were at school, I made sure that I did lots of training courses. I traveled the world. I studied. Um, I did my own inner work. And I'm so happy that I did that. There were, there were women in my circle who didn't agree with what I was doing, didn't agree with the fact that I would go to India for four weeks, six weeks, leave the boys at home with, um, with my husband. They didn't agree with that. And they made it known. Um, they made it known that they weren't happy with me. So being in this cave of grief, I am so happy with the choices that I made in my life to actually put myself first, to put myself first, to really honor who I am as a woman, knowing that those mothering years were for a certain amount of time. They're about to come back from university and move back in. So it's never really over, right? Um But now the grief that was there a few months ago, I see it very differently. And you and I, we've discussed this. Mm -hmm. I see it as it's shifted from like being like the the fertility, yeah, to now it's a wisdom. Now it's kind of like the power that I was um, losing every month through my blood is now the power that's within me. I'm holding on to that. And, and it's 
building in its strength and its magnitude. So I feel like I'm kind of coming out of that, oh, wow, that phase. I loved that phase. And now it's kind of like I'm on the threshold. I'm standing at the precipice, ready to leap into the arms of the goddess and to fly from a place of grace, of wisdom, you know, of of pure alignment. And actually, it's amazing because you're an incredible mother. And, you know, you said you're a nanny, you're a maternity nurse. So your maternal instinct is incredibly strong you're and you're just you're just one of those people that when when you're in the same room it's like oh I instantly feel nurtured so it's interesting because everybody has to make their choices you're right so by looking after yourself first and doing what you needed to do for yourself you were a better mother there's no doubt that by feeling yourself accomplished you were able to give your boys the best mothering as opposed to feeling like you had to be with them at all times and not work on yourself and then how can you give them and if, how can you give them anything more if you haven't plugged yourself into what you need for your own energy? Um, so I think that's really actually a very useful thing for us newer mothers to hear. You know, mum guilt is so pervasive. I have mum guilt all the time. Even though I'm working from home, I still feel bad. And I think actually just remembering that from people like you who've been through it and you're now reaping the rewards of having having continued to grow yourself as well as your babies and a hundred percent I think it's funny for me I see I see that now your transformation will bring you to actually uh, almost a a wise role of mothering hundreds of people Mm -hmm. through their journeys because you'll be because your boys are grown up and you have this wisdom which you can now share with not just your own boys but with such a wide audience who you need to hear it because you there's you can't teach this stuff if you haven't lived it um so I I think it's such a privilege to have you on here I hope that you know anyone who listens to this and wants to get in touch with you or find out more you have lots of resources your Instagram has so many resources on it and your website and is it all uh, what's your website now Yes, so it's com, And your Instagram handle is? Julia Anastasiu. 108. That's a very spiritual number. It is. I love that. Um, so, I yeah, I hope that people will like go and find out more about how they can look after themselves spiritually because there's a lot of focus on the mental, luckily, on the physical. Luckily, there's more focus on the mental well-being. And I think the next frontier is definitely spiritual being. And when we get there, it's going to be good. (laughs) Um, So thank you so much for your time, Julia. It's been such a pleasure as always. And I look forward to seeing you in real life very soon. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been such an honor and a privilege. And I I appreciate, I appreciate the invitation. Thank you, Julia. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found that useful and I hope that you'll join me again for the next episode of Nutri Mamas Ask the Experts. <laughs>